Welcome to the Roadie Friday Podcast with your hosts, Darren Makins and Jose Escudero. All right, I'll forget. I'll forget in like twenty minutes. Anyway, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you before the end of the podcast what day of the week it is. Oh God, seems fair. Seems fair. All right, so gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? Good. Is this the official start? Are we Are we going? Oh, we we already got we already you got, <laughs> you got oil spotted, guys. I fucked up. I'm really sorry. Yeah, man, we oil spotted you. And uh, for for those of you at home that don't know what oil spotting is, it means uh, if you miss bus call, God damn it! So bus call is basically the time that you have to be, that bus call is the time that you have to be on the bus, or else it leaves without you. And if it leaves without you, you get oil spotted. Yes, and people might think that that is only specific to like maybe people lower on the totem pole, but nope. uh, Johnny Johnny from Nothing More was oil spotted twice on this last tour that we just did. So uh, it uh, oh. it happens. <laughs> it's it's a real thing, man. It's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it happens. I I have such anxiety when it comes to like deadlines or anything like that. I I will I will never ever in my career miss bus call because like. I'm always three hours early to bus call, and it's always like because I'm so anxious that I'm going to miss bus call. I totally get that, man. There was actually times on this last tour where I had a hotel as an option for me, and I opted, and and we were leaving at like four in the morning or something, and I opted to just stay on the bus because I do have so much anxiety about like not only getting left behind, but then it's like it was really important to me to... I'm not going to say that I half-ass it on other jobs, but like this nothing more tour that I did and I was filling in for my buddy, Brian, that I think both you guys know, it was really important for me to do a good. Yeah. And so I wanted to do a good job. So the idea of like sleeping in or getting left behind wouldn't exactly be exemplary uh, on my part. Yeah. So yeah, I went out of my fucking way to avoid that scenario from ever happening for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If it's a, uh, if, if bus call is like, you know, earlier than like 8am, I'll probably just, sleep on the bus yeah yeah i don't yeah. mind like i there's there's a lot a lot of tours that i've worked on where people were like oh my god i hate sleeping on the bus i don't i i can't sleep on the bus i love sleeping on the bus like i, echo, I don't mind I, it at all yeah i echo that man like i uh i was worried about it at first as well with like just a, a 50 different factors but like it's the combination of like pitch black cold as fuck constant like movement like being rocked a little that's, bit like just that's e- me. everything that's, about that's it like, me. Oh my God. i love all of that i, I love yeah. like like whenever they keep a bunk alley at like uh jesus christ bunk alley is the part of the bus <laughs> <laughs> bunk alley is the part of the bus where everybody sleeps and it's usually uh three three on one side and then three and three on the other uh it's just set up like a like essentially a three high bunk bed i love it when it's kept like 60 degrees probably even 55 and i sure. can pull my blanket all the way up and then you have a a a, a driver that doesn't rock the boat too much but you know right. rocks it enough that you can just be cradled to sleep it's so I, it's, yeah. I, I gotta ask with this you know it's a new show am, am i your first guest yes you are the first guest. you are our first guest it's an honor it's an honor um i'll send i'll send you a fruit basket or something 
I appreciate it. I'm going to eat the shit out of that fruit basket, but uh, you, I, I, you, you explaining the uh, industry jargon begs the question, like, what do you envision the, I was going to say viewership, listenership of this show being like, what was the, what would you think the ratio is between people like us? And then like people who are basically just fans of music and want to get like an inside look at how the sausage is made. Yeah, that's a good question. And like, I guess like as of right now, based on like a really, really rough, not even educated guess on (laughs) the people who have reached out to me about it. I'm thinking like right now, like it's like 33% roadies. It's very specific. And the, yeah. And well, no, but because it's, (laughs) it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very, very rough guess, but you know, I, you know, I get a fair share of roadies, but I get a bunch of just friends too, who just like message me about, Oh yeah. Like I'm going to, check out the the show and like listen in and all that sure. so yeah this is actually this is actually my third attempt at a podcast i hosted one podcast for two years and there was another podcast not industry not music industry related at all that i hosted for like two episodes and the <laughs> there's there's a uh, podcast called the x-men which is hosted by doc Coyle. yeah and what what got me interested in hosting podcasting and like he 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 hosted an episode featuring uh entertainment lawyer Eric German. Sure. And I found that episode so fascinating, like just hearing them talk about like the legality like some of the legalities of the music industry and like just just the 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 background industry jargon and stuff like that that like I was just like so I played in a band at the time and so I sent that episode to my band members and I was like, This is the kind of shit you guys need to start, you know paying attention to and thinking about because if we want to make this a career you know we're eventually going to need a lawyer and this is how the lawyer is going to think and so Absolutely. uh so to, to kind of answer that a little bit more is um anybody that has an interest in how the background work of something works so like nerds basically <laughs> like somebody <laughs> like myself <laughs> who gets curious about how some like how how the how somebody who gets curious as to how the sausage is made essentially yeah 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 so it doesn't have to be roadies it doesn't have to be musicians it doesn't uh I, I know I've I've already yeah. had a publicist reach out to me and be like hey can I get some like can I get somebody on your podcast and you know fuck yeah like you know obviously yeah, sure. Jose and I are gonna have busier schedules and stuff like that because the next year for both of us is gonna be busy. And yeah. I'm not trying to say that to brag or anything. It's just the realistic situation that we're in. So, oh, I, I listened to episode one. I'm well aware of of uh, <laughs> what's on what's in store for 2023. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting that you bring up Eric German and Doc. So something I've realized this year, which I could have assumed already, but like has just become abundantly clear, even by the fact that I'm talking to you guys right now, is that how incredibly small this world is. It's so like, small. Yeah, dude, I, I can't overstate that enough. But like, so even in that specific example, <clears throat> I'm familiar with that podcast because Sahash Tikatin, who is the lead singer of Raw, yes. which I am the drummer of that band, was on yeah. that show twice. And Eric German is his lawyer. So like, it's just, there's just yep. so many like, it's I don't want to say incestuous, but like, it's yeah, so it's a small interconnected. It's a small circle. And something that I really like about that coming from other relatively small industries is that like, it's it's an incentive to be a good person. Yeah. Whether that is you are legitimately a good person or you're just doing it because you know that this is a small world. And if you're a fucking piece of shit, world gets around. So just the idea of 100%. like, be really, 
be really good at your job, be a decent human being and be enjoyable to be around. Like that's the magic sauce there for like getting opportunities. And it's so, so interesting listening to both you guys talk about in episode one about the way that you came into your current gigs or the gigs that let, you know, led to these gigs. And I think you would agree with me that those are the, the probably the most important things in terms of like doing this job well, and then having a sustainable career in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Like and that, uh, another like example of how small this world is like when I met you in Atlanta, yeah. uh, I didn't know you were friends with Brian who we mentioned just a few minutes ago. And yeah, like I, I've known Brian for a long time now. <laughs> let's let's further uh, dive into how small of a world that is. So the reason yeah. I know Brian is because <laughs> a little bit of a long story, but in 2018, I went to River City Rock Fest in uh, San Antonio to go see like Primus and Nine Inch Nails and Bush and a bunch of other great bands. And I decided to do all of the mushrooms on the planet. And I'm just walking around this festival, just like melting my face off. And I'm wearing a nothing more t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And this, this woman comes up to me. There's one person in particular that would find that hilarious. Go ahead. (laughs) This woman walks up to me and she goes, Hey, do you like that band? And I'm like, Oh my God, I do not know this, but they're, they're so good. Like nothing more is incredible. They're going to blow up in the next couple of years. And she leaned in real close and she goes, don't tell anyone, but the guitar player put a baby in me. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like I'm truly melting my face at this point. I'm like, Oh, are you okay? Like, did you want that to happen? And as she's saying that, oh my God, Mark, how did it happen? <laughs> Mark, her husband is the guitar player for nothing more. And he's standing behind me as, as she's fucking with me. And I turn around and I'm super excited to meet them. And I really thought that that was going to be a three minute exchange of like, oh my God, I'm a big fan. Look, I'm wearing your shirt. Let's take a picture together. Bye. But that actually turned into like three hours of hanging out and watching shows and drinking beers and getting to know each other. And, uh, so we connected through that and I stayed in touch with them. I live in Austin. They're in San Antonio. I would, I went to all their shows. I saw them at other people's shows. And then very randomly, December, 2019, I am in, I I travel a lot for fun and I'm in uh, Medellin, Colombia. And it's my last night there. I get a text message from Mark that says, Hey man, we just wrapped up this insane show in Mexico city. Uh, at Knotfest, where everyone's gear got set on fire, and uh, our drum tech Brian is actually moving there. Just moved there tonight is his first night there with this woman that he met. I think you guys should Whoa. meet up for a beer. And normally I'd be like, "This is just awkward." Like I don't like what we get together. We're like, "Hey, we know the same guy. We like the same band." Cheers. See you later. But I really like Mark. I had a good feeling about it. So I met up with Brian, and what should have been one beer turned into like. <laughs> Six six a.m. Uh, just no, raging see, our faces off. Friend, no, you're my best friend. Like, I love. Like let's get let's get an apartment together. No, it was Dude, uh, we Brian. Open a bar. Uh, <laughs> but meeting Brian through that way is what led me to becoming nothing more as drum tech for this last tour because Brian needed to step out for other opportunities and it's just and and being on that tour is how I met you, Jose. And it's just like this this world is fucking tiny and I love it. I, I think it's, yeah. it's so great. Yeah. That was hilarious. I actually didn't even know that the reason he was leaving was to drive seven dust. Uh, for exactly. Dude. <laughs> and the small world. I found, dude. Out, I, yeah, I found out that night. Like, he's like, he's like, Oh yeah. Tonight's my last, like my last show with nothing more. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like, what are you doing? Well, I'm driving you guys. And I'm like, Oh, what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, dude. I- uh, and also, 
and like next week I'm actually flying to Medellin to go hang out with Brian. Fuck yeah, man. Like, so I've been there three times now and, uh, like I totally fell in love with it the first time I went there and then I met Brian. I'm like, Oh, now I have an amazing excuse to come back. So have, have you been before? No. First time. Okay. It is incredible. People are super nice. It's super safe. Obviously it has a lot of negative stigma because of, um, Pablo Escobar stuff, but like, it's yeah, incredibly safe. It's beautiful. The food's amazing. It's cheap as fuck. So Brian and my buddy, Jeff, who I traveled down there with last time's birthdays are like four days apart from each other. And I hired an 11 person mariachi band for two hours for 40 bucks and a case of beer. Like it, it just, everything <laughs> down there is like great videos of it. It's, it's phenomenal. Uh, yeah, dude, I, 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 I love that place too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> forty bucks and a for eleven for eleven people, and they were like amped about that. Like uh, every meal that you have is going to be like seven bucks, and it's going to be fucking incredible. Um, yeah, it's awesome, so great. Yeah, yeah. The further I move into this career, is I find out how small this tour is, or tour. Jesus, this this whole world is because like. As soon as I mentioned that I was doing the uh, Trinity of Territory, which I just got off of, it was like a seven-week yeah. run, uh, Jose hit me up, and he was like, hey, I know this person, and this person's going to be on it, and you know, Justin's cool, and Alex is great, and you know, you should go and say hi to this person. Let Tell them you know me, and it's just like, okay, yeah. man, like, fuck, okay. Yeah, dude, <laughs> um, absolutely. Jose, keep keep doing it. I'm, I'm only busting your chops. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so that's kind of part of the reason no, yeah. why I asked about your ideal audience, because this uh, community is so tight knit that I feel like if a couple guys like you do this well and do it consistently, that it would be something that is just like wholeheartedly embraced by, you know, roadies and musicians alike, as well as music fans. Like, how cool is it to be able to get an in-depth technical understanding. Like you guys went real technical on the first episode, more so than I was expecting in terms of talk, like, so you know, being we gearheads. <laughs> more so than I was expecting. We're, yeah. We're talking about fucking dongles, dongles yeah. and signal flow. And okay. So a dongle is a, a, a little piece of gear that takes a, an analog signal and kind of converts it to a different analog signal. So that way you can plug like an XLR into a quarter inch as the example that I put forward on that episode. Uh, and magic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, an, uh, a, a real world example for a dongle would be uh, if you own an iPhone it's that tiny white thing that you're able to connect your headphones to the power outlet of your iPhone. That is a dongle as well. Fact. The more yeah. you know. And then the fucking star goes across. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's, just, it's, it's, it's uh, a dongle is such a funny word, but also like when I'm asking somebody like, Hey, does somebody have a dong like non music industry? And I'm like, does somebody have a dongle I'm able to borrow? They're just like, <laughs> I feel like that's a personal question. And I'm like, no, no. See what a dongle is. is like. <laughs> hey, more small world shit. Um, so we just wrapped the raw tour on Saturday at yes. the machine shop. How and was we the played raw tour. It was great, dude. Uh, it's, it's the, tw dude, it's so crazy. Like, so it's the 20th anniversary of the first album. I had that first album when I was a freshman in college and I bumped the shit out of it in my dorm room. And if you told me that 20 years later, I'd be playing it on a 20 year anniversary tour, I'd tell you to go fuck yourself. Cause that doesn't sound like a real thing. Yeah. That doesn't um, sound like a real thing, but you know, yeah. <laughs> that, raw is such a good band. 
Yeah, I have a lot of respect for Sahaj. Sahaj is probably one of my favorite singers. And and there's there's a really good album. I forget which Maytal album he sings on. Yeah, but it's the later one. Yeah. It's 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 one of my favorite albums because like the 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 music on it is so well written and he's he's such a honed and crafted songwriter and for those of you who don't know like the the intro music that you heard in the beginning here was written by ricky from ice nine kills uh ricky and i like sat in a hotel room for like four hours and ricky just kind of and he just kind of shit out this thing that has like layers of guitars and layers of like synth and then uh programmed drums and programmed bass to it and it's just like watching a genius like that work i learned more in those four hours than i could have learned in any songwriting class period so fuck yeah uh yeah so go ahead and tell me about the uh the the raw tour well and ricky and sahaj have worked together on ricky's solo stuff like the the son of the six degrees of kevin bacon thing that you can play with sahaj is absolutely insane because of all the bands that he's worked with with like you don't know six degrees of kevin bacon oh no 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 i know i said i don't doubt Uh, that one bit (laughs) oh god gotcha (laughs) i thought you said i don't know about that one bit i have six Uh, degrees of separation from kevin bacon (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean he's worked with otherwise and star set and lejean from seven dust and uh bad yeah, wolves bad and wolf nothing stuff. more yeah. and uh yeah. motley crew and yeah it's uh it's it's Fuck, pretty fucking about motley crew awesome yeah for sure so like he's so good at um any band can send him you know like hey we have this instrumental track or like this music feels like single worthy but we don't have uh like a vocal melody or, or the, he does that top line shit in gibberish so amazing. You send him music and like, he just sits there with a microphone just like this, like at his computer screen, he listens to it two times. And then he just gives you a melody. That's probably single worthy. Like he's very, very good at tapping into that, which is why I worked with him in the first place. So like I hired him again with my connection to nothing more. I saw that they had just wrapped up vocal production with him for the most recent nothing more album and basically used my connection to nothing more to open up a conversation with Sahaj and just see if he would want to work with me on my solo stuff, which is under fear of water. And he said, yes. And I ended up spending about three weeks with him at his studio in Indiana by Sweetwater. Sweetwater and yeah. after that three weeks, he was like, you know, so I'm a multi-instrument. I'm like one man band type thing at the end of spending three weeks together. He was basically like, do you want to <laughs> be the drummer for raw? Cause the original drummer, Scooter, I uh, was still in the band after 20 years and he's in his mid fifties and he was kind of just done, you know, like, he's just like, I've done all the things that I want to do. I've had like chart topping songs and I've toured everywhere. And, um, he's just, you know, kind of ready to calm down. Yeah. And, and that, like, and that s- makes, yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Like, so having that opportunity, which is, I did not go into that recording session being like, Hey man, if I play my cards right, I might become the drummer of his band. That was not uh, the intent, but that happening has opened up so many doors and I've met so many people um, like you guys because of, of this connection being a part of that band. And <clears throat> so anyways, bringing it full circle, just did this, this raw tour and we played at Pierre's in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is where Sahaj is from last week. And seven dusts merch guy works Chris at French. Pierre's. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Chris French. Exactly. So he came to the show and, uh, him and I talked, uh, you know, before the show and I met him the same time I met you, Jose backstage at that yeah, Atlanta yeah. gig. And I gave him some sticks and picks cause he's 
he's a big fan, but also he's really close with um, Chris Ramon, who is the guy who like leads the entire yeah. seven dust fan club community. And it's just like, again, I, I just can't get over how like tight and interwoven the rock community is maybe, maybe all industry, maybe countries like this too. I don't know. But from my experience, I'm consistently like encouraged and happy about how like interwoven this industry is, how supportive people are from each other and like how it leads to opportunities for each other. Just as long as you, again, you check those boxes of like, be good at your job, be a decent human, be, you know, palatable to be around. Cause you might be sharing a bus with 12 other people for two months. So yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers to the industry for sure. Cheers to uh to networking yes. and making making friends all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I I will say there have been uh several situations where I've where I've been in and I don't I I want to speak to this a little bit loosely and honestly this might even end up getting cut but <laughs> there were some like there were some absolute nightmares that I've I've toured with and as soon as the tour was done honestly I haven't I haven't heard from them again like so I don't know if they like flamed out of the industry or like word got around, but you know, just that's, 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 uh, I, I don't, I don't want to call this a warning, but it's just like word gets around. So keep your shit together. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean like every tour is going to put you through the ringer like this. Nothing more tour that we did was disastrous. And I'm only comfortable saying that because all of the guys in the band on social have been like very clear about that. This was the most problematic tour that they've done, oh, yeah. including even before they got signed when they're like grinding it out in a shitty van, like just, Oh yeah. No, I, I remember like we were on tour and like with Brian, Brian was driving us. So every morning I'd go like sit down with Brian and he'd tell me some other disaster. That's like the bus broke breaking down yes. and all sorts of stuff. At least. Multiple buses breaking down. Our fucking semi hit a bear in California on the way to aftershock and Jesus. our gear. They, so we had to get a new semi and our gear got to backstage aftershock 20 minutes before we played. And yeah. it, there was, oh. I was so blown away by the all hands on deck effort that specifically like the local crew did, but like other bands crew and everything, like it was so fucking awesome to see everyone band together yeah. to like rip all of our shit out of that semi and get a setup. Um, dude, we were pissing into a, a solo cup and dumping it down the sink for three weeks uh, on the first bus that we got. And, and basically the industry is so crazy right now. And so many people are touring, not so many people, everyone is touring right now to make up for, covid lost time. that buses are like unicorns right now so like you just fucking take whatever you can get and nothing more got some fucking dog shit and it was just like well it's either this or nothing or nothing and yeah yeah so you know we tried to make the best of it but like <clears throat> it was problematic we you know we had two bus drivers get fired um for and two I'm, I'm saying that across the entire tour including the other bands one guy was like blackout he would like show up to drive and he would be blackout drunk there was another dude who was no, just like I can't do that we were on tour with cherry bombs and uh um in this moment and he was being like crazy overtly over the top sexual with multiple members of the tour and he got can't called out either. on it and his response was basically like, oh, you're not into it? Cool. Fuck you. You got 30 minutes to get your shit off my bus and I'm leaving. And dude had a job like two days later when in reality it should be like you should get blacklisted and maybe he will down the road. But like the demand for buses and the people who drive them is so fucking high that it's really like dictating a lot of how our collective touring experiences are happening right now. It's fucking crazy. You, you know, I saw I saw a post on Bobnet. Or, uh, man. So Bobnet. 
is a Facebook group <laughs> that basically it, it acts like a job posting board for the touring uh, industry, whether you're looking for front of house or carpenters or, you know, you name it. And they also share some really helpful tips. Like I actually used that group to uh, – Jose, you were on that tour. I used that group to kind of help research where we should park our bus at the Whiskey in L.A. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and and basically, we, yeah, we just ended up leaving the we just we ended just up leaving the, the bus, bus there, like in front of the venue, like yeah, because <laughs> the ticket was actually going to be cheaper than parking yeah. anywhere else. Exactly. So, so, um, but the point that I was and we didn't to get, get a ticket. No, we did not get a ticket, which was incredible. You got to roll those uh, dice. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the point that I was trying to get to here, I saw a post on Bobnet, and they were just kind of saying, like, buses are almost completely sold out for 2023. Yeah. And, and like, the move at this point, honestly, is probably to, if you can find a bus, probably buy it. Yeah. So that yeah. way, and not, like... There's a there's another band that I won't mention because I don't know if they would want their private business out there, but uh, but there's a band that I know of where basically all of the members have a CDL and they own their own bus, so they just take turns driving the bus, which to me is absolutely insane. Like I yeah. couldn't imagine driving a show or dr- playing a show and then driving a bus. Yeah, but some of the most like uh, profitable bands. Uh, out there right now are the ones who own, if you can own as much as possible, you're more profitable. So if you own, it's like nothing more rents a lot of the gear that they tour with. Totally understand that. Uh, but like, if you own your bus, you own your light rig. Uh, if, if you can drive your own bus, things like that, like makes an enormous difference in terms of what your profit margin is each 100%. show. So like, yeah, I definitely understand the desire to do that. Yeah. You're not paying a bus yeah. driver $500 yeah, yeah. a day. Yeah, no, it's definitely understandable. I, I just, yeah, in my case, I don't know if I would be comfortable <laughs> yeah, just like I, knowing I that this guy could just fall asleep at the yeah. wheel. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, just because someone is a bus driver on paper doesn't mean that you're safe. I'm not talking shit about yeah. like all bus drivers, but like <laughs> there's, you know, you still got to like weigh out uh, your option. Yeah. But again, like a lot of times it was basically like, this asshole or no one like, Hey, we have a bus, but no one to drive it kind of thing. And with Brian leaving the nothing more tour, like that was our yeah. backup option for a while. Cause he drives and it's yeah. be- because of the way that the industry is right now, like driving is a much more profitable thing to do in the industry than teching. Um, so I was like, you know, he was like, dude, go I want to go. Yeah. I'm going to take the seven opportunity. There might be other opportunities. Can you, you know, Brian has a yeah. long, long opportunity or long uh, established relationship with nothing more. And for him to bring me in to fill in for him, like it meant a lot, like that kind of vouching. It's a very tight knit community in the nothing more camp. So it can't just be like, Oh, this guy plays drums and whatever and he's available. You know, I've never even teched before. So like coming in to do that was a big deal on his part in terms of like serving me up to the band and saying like, this should be the guy um, but it was an honor for me to do it. I'm a huge, nothing more fan and I love Brian. So the, the opportunity to like serve both of those connections in my life was fucking great. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Yeah. I felt, uh, I, I, I felt the same way. Uh, 
Jose, this is about to get a little sappy, but I kind of felt the same way when you recommended me to fill in for you on the Seven Dust gig because, like, that's not, you know, Seven Dust is an absolutely legendary band, and that is not a gig that you can fuck up. Yeah, and nope. you know they're all they're all great guys, but just at at the end of the day, like they have a business to run, and you know, so for 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 Jose to kind of give me a recommendation to take over for him because he already had a vacation that was previously scheduled, uh, it was you know, uh, <laughs> I was kind of like me really, like, <laughs> but <laughs> so on that note. I just had to say that, like, I, Jose, maybe you're just, like, the chillest dude on the planet, and I don't know that yet, but, like, and I'm trying to think of something analogous on my end. Like, if I got a drum tech gig for, like, Neil Pert, uh, like, like you well, just finished up. he's dead. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, <laughs> you know what? You're right. That's, that's a fair statement. You just completed a tour with, like, a legend. But you just you accepted a gig with a, one of the best living and arguably one of the greatest rock guitar players of all guitarists time. Of, of all time. And <laughs> and with an insane arsenal. What you said, like 23 guitars like. Uh, well, it's so I was like making the final count uh, the last day of tour because we had to like ship them back yep. to the States. Uh and we had, uh, so we traveled with 28 guitars, like I was saying in the other episode, like 10, 10 were actually giveaways, but yeah, I still had to like shuffle them around and yeah. restring a bunch of them because, uh, we were going to give them away. And, but for playing guitars, there were 18, 18 guitars was like the actual usable guitars. So, but just talk to me about like your mindset in terms of like it's, I'm all for, I'm a huge proponent of like take the you know, be it, say yes as something comes up like take the opportunity take but the gig, figure it out yes but there's a big <laughs> difference between take the gig and figure it out and like oh my god this this i'm working for a guitar god and i yeah like that would give me diarrhea on like a daily basis like i would just be so fucking stressed out about working and i'm not i'm, I'm not even commenting on his character i'm not saying that he's like so just like what like what was your thought process as that opportunity came up and you're like, Oh, I got it. Like, I just walk me through that. Cause I don't, I can't comprehend it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, yeah, at first I was, uh, a little, you know, it was, it was a little nerve wracking. Uh, but I don't know, like in the end, you know, I just like told myself like, they're, they're asking me for a reason, yeah. you know, they, yeah, someone, they you, for you know, someone, you know, someone, <laughs> Not me, cause, but someone thought I could do the job, <laughs> and I, I was just like, "Well, if you know, if they think I can do it, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just gonna go for it." Right. So, and yeah, uh, at least like another another thing that like put me at ease was we had uh, nine days of pre-pro. Sure. So yeah. that's huge. Uh, that's something I'm not used to. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll have like several days to you know, see the gear, get familiar with it, come up with a game plan for my day to day. Uh, and that's just how it went. Just like kind of, you know, just kind of like went back to believing in my instincts as, as best I could. You're a bigger, you're a bigger man than me. I would, I would self doubt to the point of, I would get that paralysis through analysis type thing and be like, ah, someone's got to be a better fit for me than this based on their experience. Cause they've been touring with Clapton or something and I'm going to just bow out. So my hats off to you, man. I think it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Sir. 
Yeah, and and, uh, and another thing is like you can allow yourself a little bit of time to be overwhelmed. Like obviously, like if you're in a situation where you're like thrown into the mix, they're going to expect you to be a little overwhelmed because it's your first day on a brand new rig, brand new personalities. So definitely having like nine days of pre-production. My next gig, uh, we have about a week and a half of pre-production, and then we go to another location. And we have another week or so of actual show rehearsal before the tour starts. So I sure. have about two and a half weeks to learn the setup pretty much. So sure. for, yeah. for something for something like that, like I'll allow myself to be a little overwhelmed the first day and then like from there just take it piece by piece. It's really the best you and that's really all you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it's to to provide some perspective from my point of view is that like so there's definitely the like be prepared know the shit know the set know the gear everything like that the thing that stresses me out more is the like the unknown the kind of disaster management type thing and it doesn't so we had a week of pre-pro with nothing more which is great but it doesn't change the fact that like two two major things i can think of one is that my job was also to run what they affectionately call bertha where I'm, i'm managing three computers that all of the like playback and backtracks is running through. And if that goes down for whatever reason, it could be a power surge in the venue uh, at Rocklahoma. I had three, I was holding up during the entire set, holding up three levels of like heat blankets to stop the sun from overheating the computers and the processors and this thing. If that goes down, like it fucks up the show, the click disappears, yeah, the no show. backtracks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like you can do as much pre pro as you want and it doesn't change the fact that like that would be disastrous and fucking suck when it comes up or even something smaller, like, uh, given the way that the kit is set up and the miking and everything that like, if Ben broke his snare head in the middle of a song, you can do two months of pre pro and it's not going to change the fact that that will suck. Like addressing that in the moment, knowing that like you have a tight 50 minutes and like, just, uh, just, any way you handle either changing the head, getting a new snare in there, but then like getting that mic set up and everything with the triggering. And, and it's just like things like that are give me like stress nightmares in terms of like all of the unknown things that that yeah. can go wrong. You can do as much pre pro as you want and it's great to be prepared. But like there, I give so much credit to these, to these crews that are out there doing these big production shows because you have to be ready for anything because it's like fucking anything can happen. Like the, like the, sometimes the craziest shit that can happen will happen. You got to be ready to, to pivot and address those things as they happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that man, so many moments like that come to mind. <laughs> uh, one was, uh, it with seven dust in, uh, Hampton beach. Uh, Vinny broke the, his, I mean, he's on like, they're all on strap locks, but he broke the screw off the strap lock <laughs> strap goes would. flying. And, <laughs> you know, in just a second, I was up there like, Oh, like I thought it, you know, it just came off. So I, I ran up there to just hook it back to like yeah. just hook it yeah. back up. And then I saw the, the, the whole <laughs> screw broke off. So like half of it is still in the base and I'm like, Oh, well, this is completely useless. So I just <laughs> grabbed it off him when I was like, dance, like gave him the backup. Uh, but yeah, like, yeah, stuff like that. Just that's like a lot of what, you know, every show you just got to go through sure. all your, all everything that can go wrong, all your options. Uh, with Mark, I had like, a pile of cables in case any cables went bad, yeah. like always had like, you know, backup guitars, backup strings, uh, backup like guitar pedals, uh, 
backup tubes, you know, yep. I had all, yep. all sorts of, yeah, like backup stuff. Um, yeah, just, and you just like kind of like run through the scenarios every day and then you, you just keep an eye on your artist after that. For sure. Yeah. And, and the last gig that I did, um, I, I, I tell people that I was the guitar tech, but I was really the whole back line. So I would set up, I would set up the drum set. And then as soon as I was done setting up the drum set, I'd tune the drums, make sure that uh, I got it to as close to the way that uh, Patrick, the drummer from Ice Nine, liked it. And as soon as I was done that, I had to go and set up guitars and work on guitars. So basically, like, my entire station was so spread out because I had, like, I had two guitar boats and then I had just, like, extra cables on top of it. And then I also had, like, I had spare guitars on a stand just in case, like, something went wrong and I didn't have to mess with the guitar boat and un unclipping everything. And you can, you can... The, the best advice that I can give is to try and be like, think of every scenario that you possibly can and then think of a way out of it. Like, sure. You know, the, 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 yeah. the, the snare, like if, if the snare head broke or something like that, there was a, there was a spare snare sitting right next to Patrick mm -hmm. that if he noticed it and I didn't, he could swap it out because if I'm doing the whole back line, I'm literally watching over everybody and I'm, I'm one human being. So if, if I'm working on something else and then a symbol cracks, it's like, well, you're shit out of luck, dude. Cause I'm working on this right now. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's yeah. just trying to make things. And even then, like if I had a guitar switch coming up or something like that, I would heavily rely on the stands and I would have the stand like half a song before the switch happened. I would have the guitars already on the stand waiting for uh the musician to come over and grab it and it's it's just kind of it's my way to try and stay and and that's the other thing is like when i worked for uh when i covered for jose for seven dust uh the the, the one thing that jose told me was you need to stay on top of the tunings like it yep. is important that the tunings are correct for that portion of the show and so i took that and i translated it in my head as i don't need to stay on top of the tunings i need to stay ahead of them sure so i always made sure that i was one song ahead and are both you guys doing is that clint and john at the same time yeah it is it's clint john and Vinny. yeah so it's, yeah, it's dude, all that. three of them and Vinny, yeah. Vinny was easy enough yeah and uh, speaking like yeah, he's he's easy enough because uh, he he uses his temper to to switch uh, tunings a lot. Yeah, so it transposes. Yeah, we normally don't have to switch bases um, unless something happens. Uh, but the one the one that like makes me lose sleep all the time is Clint had does not have any backup guitars. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so every song. It's like I have to think, all right, like basically like if something happens, it's like, all right, between each song, all right, this song's next. So I'll look at like which which one of these guitars can I get to that tuning yeah. the quickest? Yeah. Like <laughs> uh if he like had like broke a string or something, then I'm like, Whoa. like my plan was to give him one of John's guitars, grab that guitar, change the strings super quick, and give him the other guitar back. Damn. I mean, yeah, there's that. <laughs> Yeah, no, and like, like a lot of times, like I'll have John because John does have a few, John like a couple backup guitars. So, yeah. Um, but normally they're not on the same tuning as Clint's guitar. Right. <laughs> so, is that just like a logistics uh, thing? Like we don't want to tour with extra guitars that are not in regular rotation. Like that. That would again. That's one more thing that would give me anxiety yeah. of like not having. Yeah, it, like uh, the times we've spoken about it, uh, 
he's mentioned things like, yeah, like, uh, I don't want to like travel with, you know, more guitars. Uh, so yeah, it just, it just is what it is. I just, and we just, you know, we just make it work. Yeah, for sure. Like with the Ben, the Ben snare thing, like that was during up until a certain point where we made some tweaks on the kit, he was breaking a symbol at least <laughs> one time a night. And Whoa. I was like, fuck, I was just waiting for that snare head to go. I'm just waiting for it to go. And it's definitely, it's not because of the complexity of the way that the top and bottom snare mic are, are mounted to the snare. Like the replacement snare was under his second floor, Tom. So it's like as ready to go as possible, but still it would, it would require like cutting a song for sure. Um, and it's just like, yeah, just, it was those kind of like nightmare scenarios that would just haunt me. And thankfully it never happened. But for someone who was like beating the fuck out of his set on a nightly basis yeah. and like regularly breaking, oh. it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So I've, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had to switch a snare before I was drum teching for Rob Rivera of nonpoint and it was actually the final show of the tour. Oh shit. And, uh, yeah, yeah. He hits and, hard. And it's, he's one of the hardest hitters I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Like even even when I'm line checking his drums, I can't hit the drums as hard as he does. Like, and I'm, <laughs> I'm I am trying the entire time. So then, like, yeah. I just I heard something a little off about the snare, and so then I walked behind the stage. It was like a, it was like a festival setting, and I saw that the bottom head had blown out. I don't know how hard you have to hit to blow out a bottom head, but holy shit! I don't so, even I don't even understand. <laughs> That's so perplexing was, to me. I don't even. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So then, so then thankfully there was a snare, like sitting there, sitting there waiting for him. And, you know, I ended up switching out and I told, uh, I, I turned around to Elias and I was like, Hey, entertain the crowd for a bit. And I think he talked about white claw for a while, but, uh, it's worth, it's worth, it's worth talking did. about for sure. It's, it's worth talking about. Um, although I got to say, this is my corporate sponsor. Topo Chico hard seltzer is really the way to go, which I have here. Topo the uh, exotic, exotic pineapple is far superior to white claw i just got to throw that out there i'm sorry i've i've grown <laughs> i've grown uh very accustomed to drinking uh trulies and uh i i just i like trulies <laughs> true yeah trulies are good well, yeah, yeah 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 like i just i just drink whatever's in front of me there you go yeah exactly that's, that's if, good if it's, easy to please <laughs> something i wanted to say on the on the non-point front is that like especially with this run of shows that's coming up leading up to new year's is that like I am I'm trying to think how to articulate this. I'm very grateful for the fact that some of my favorite hard rock bands from when I was in high school are still not only just like functional, but killing it. So like, it's so cool to see Il Nino seven dust and nonpoint on this run of shows that are coming up right now. Like I've, uh, I've loved nonpoint since statement. I've loved seven dust since the self-titled album. I've loved Il Nino since confessions. Like it's so cool to see. And I just released a song with the lead singer yesterday. So like, it's, it's so cool. I'm so happy to see that. Like, you know, we've gone through, we've gone through the point where like corn is number one on TRL to the point where hard rock is like, I don't want to say shun, but definitely like the least popular genre. And I feel like we're on a, a big upswing right now. where like, I'm so happy a lot to of see exciting talent right now. For sure. Yeah, dude. But like, yeah. Yeah. Also like it's awesome. fun fact, like speaking, like fun fact, like speaking of nonpoint, uh, this is like a little known fact about them, but in order to pack their trailer, <laughs> you have to drink <laughs> no less than five white claws, oh. but no more than six. That is the secret <laughs> sauce to getting the perfect pack for a, for a nonpoint trailer. It does not work otherwise. <laughs> and we've tried it. We've, we've actually experimented 
Yeah, there's, there's, we uh, did the scientific method. Yeah, we tried it all. We tried it all. So. I'm impressed, guys. About those uh, seven dust dates coming up, it's uh, seven dust, non-point, El Nino, and very, very good friends of mine, uh, Another Day Dawns are, op- are uh, the opening band uh, yeah, just, yeah. signed to se- just signed to Century Media. They're, they're putting out their new album this year. Uh, I worked a gig last year with them as a guitar tech, and what's fu- it's, it's the first time that they had ever had a guitar tech. And so they sure. like the entire night, they were just like, like, we honestly don't know what to do with you because we've never had a tech. <laughs> and it's like, well, just kind of stay out of my way. Like, I'll yeah. show you guys what yeah, I do. Exactly. And, and, you know, if, if I grab your guitar, just fucking let me grab your guitar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it, it's an incredible. Go sell merch. Yeah. Like, that's the like. <laughs> I don't want to say luxury, but like, and and I hope that part of what this podcast can do for in the last in the last episode. Sure. So so for music fans to understand what it takes to put on a show at the caliber that most people like, if you're buying a ticket to a show and it has like it's a light show, it's a it's a multi band lineup, things like that, like understanding the logistics of what goes into putting that on and making it run smoothly and being able to like handle fuck ups as they happen. Like I have a ton of respect because I've also been there myself for the bands that are out there doing it themselves, grinding it out in a van playing fucking basements or like super small venues on a Tuesday night or something like so much love for that. And I want them to succeed, but understanding the role that the, the crew plays in making your favorite shows come together is like i want i want people to understand that more and i think that you guys doing the show can help provide that insight because it's like it, it has to be the marriage between incredible bands and super talented fucking awesome diligent crews coming together to make those those in not just shows like entire tours because you have to be like making this happen night after night and, and Every solving these problems that they come up. So I just, I just have so much respect for, for what these like career, like, like lifelong dudes who are out here doing front of house or drum tech, guitar tech, whatever. Yeah. And I just, I want, yeah, I want like, people to understand the role that they play in making your favorite music come to life live. hundred percent. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's definitely one of the goals here is like to maybe provide like another layer to all these bands that people follow because uh, you know no no one really knows what like what it takes to make the show happen yeah. uh we're there you know at least 14 hours <laughs> oh so, yeah dude with a nap and you like you know and yeah well if you're lucky uh, if you're lucky yeah um but yeah like to to see like an hour and a half show like it's it's a lot of work Fuck yeah, the, the, the the thing that um like obviously i just got off of my first arena tour and you know you can tell me a hundred thousand times like that stage it it, it doesn't like it's not like a club it doesn't live there that stage is built every single day the video wall that goes up it's built every day the lighting trusses you know they don't they don't exist in that arena so you the pa yeah the pa system so yeah Yeah. darren did, did, did you do the red rocks show i did not okay Gotcha. No, um, Red Rocks. Red Rocks is one of my bucket list venues that I want to work. I mean, obviously you're going to get there because <laughs> you're right, working right, with right. these bands. Like, yeah. And that that's what's so awesome about it is that like getting in with the right band can lead to these amazing opportunities. But like we were on tour with 
like we were nothing more was support of uh, in this moment. And we had a night where like nothing more did a headliner. So in this moment could go to red rocks and do, it was like, I guess like a iteration of the Trinity of terror, you know, it was like a different same brand, different flavor kind of thing. Right. Um, and just, it just looked so cool. And it, it, it gives, it fills me with happiness to see a legendary venue get sold out for the type of music that we all love so much. Hell yeah. You know, it's not universally accepted as not that it's like crazy out there. Like you, you just don't get it, man. But like, it just, it's also not, we're not in the early two thousands anymore. So like, it's cool to see yeah. that there is still this big community coming out to support um, metal, hard rock, everything like that. It's, it, it makes me very happy, man. Yeah. That that's one of, that's one of the coolest things that I've, uh, like from, like I've seen, like fall from following this band called Lorna shore. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're like heavy as fuck and they're like selling out theaters now and it's man it's so cool to see that okay yeah. <laughs> absolutely i, I regret i regret uh we were we were in montreal the same night that lorna shore was supposed to play in montreal and the venue that they were supposed to play was actually upgraded and i'm like a fucking deathcore band had yeah. their venue upgraded like that just that is bonkers to me but i i regret not it's going huge. i forget i forget the reason why i didn't go how do you just in general like how do you sleep at night like how do you live with your shitty life choices <laughs> honestly a lot of alcohol okay cool that makes that way <laughs> that'll that'll do it yeah you know i heard and this is from an unofficial source and it could be total bullshit but i heard that uh, lorna shore on this last tour was doing I'll just say five figures every single night, like high five figures of merch at all these shows that they were playing at. And like, people need to understand that, like, first of all, merch is great, but like yeah. merch is one of the most direct ways that you can support the bands that you love. Um, so like, just kind of like making that happen. Like that's such a, that, that is the thing that fills the gas tank that gets them to the next venue Yeah, that allows them to even expand their merch line. Like if you want stuff that's like, you know, women specific shirts or stuff for kids, or you want like hats and fucking keychains or whatever, like the more money that the band takes in, the more they're able to put into the show. So the next time you see them, it's like a more impressive show, bigger, bigger backline, better gear, whatever. Like, yes, buying music is great, but there's a ton that's cut out from the band for that. Yes. Going to see them live is also really great. In fact, it's probably arguably better than buying music in the current state of the music industry for supporting the band. But again, a lot of cooks in that kitchen, a lot of shit getting cut out of there. Buying merch is one of the best ways that you can directly support, uh, the band so it's, a show. Yeah. 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 yeah and yeah. especially, yeah, exactly. Especially directly from the band, whether it's like the, you know, the best one, the best options, obviously at the show, uh, from their merch person. Second option would be like, if you have to buy it online, buy it, like try to find their official website. Cause that'll, you know, that'll go directly through them. Yeah. Don't, don't buy it from the guy that's outside the venue. No, he's, pocketing, yeah, he's pocketing all that money himself. Yeah. Um, I know, I know that what I'm about to say may get a little bit of backlash. You're like, dude, what the fuck? But like VIPs help the band out so much. If, yeah. if you have, if you have the means and they they greatly appreciate it, but you know if if you see a VIP package for a tour and you have the means to do it, do it because a it's something that you get to tell your friends, and b that is that's another direct income source that the bands get. It's not going. I mean, obviously managers 
get their 15% or whatever, but that's not like the booking agent is not getting that money. The crew members are not getting that money. That is money that you're paying directly, almost directly to the artist. Like you might as well just hand them the hundred dollars yourself. Here you go. And I know that there's a lot of bands that are trying to figure out different ways to make VIPs more, more exciting. For example, the, the most recent, the tour that I was just on, um, Instead of instead of it just being like, you know, so what do you do for a living? Like, oh, how long have you been a blacksmith? Like stuff like that. They made it. They 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 played a uh, they played a uh, trivia game, and so like basically they split up. Uh, it was three. It was three bands on the VIP, and like each one was a team, and they were asking the bands these trivia questions, and they were also taking the VIPs and splitting them up into three groups, so that way like you were cheering on your team or whatever. And it was just, it, I, I thought it was a really neat twist to the whole VIP yeah. thing instead of just sitting there and asking, like, how many kids do you have? Oh, my gosh, he's a <laughs> high schooler. That's so great. For sure. Guys, I have a question for you that I want to I posit, and I want you guys to answer. I'm very curious to know if, do you think it's, I'm not going to say mandatory, but what value does it add to the crew if everyone in their respective crew positions is a musician as opposed to someone that has like the technical understanding of the physics and the, the, the construction of a guitar. Like I know how to restring and tune a guitar, but I'm, but I don't play the instrument. What role do you think being a musician plays for each of those positions? I think they're equally important to be honest with you. Uh, that's if a you, yeah, that's an interesting question. It is an interesting question. But like if you don't know, like uh okay, Jose, you you know this, you know this for a fact. I am a uh, I, I am sometimes a drum tech that has no idea how to play drums. Like I can hold no, that. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> you've heard get, me play yeah, drums. like uh, it's not great. There's uh you know, there's uh Eddie Mead, who's like probably like one of the best drum techs Shout in out, the Eddie. industry. Uh, and he is not a drummer. Uh, but like I said, like he's one of the best out there. Uh, and so, so yeah, like it's definitely not necessary. Uh, I can definitely understand like as a drummer, in fact, like I think like drummer, drum teching and guitar teching would be a little different, uh, in the sense that, uh, every, cause the drums, like every drum can like change heights and positioning and all that. And, uh, that changes so much from drummer to drummer that you as a drummer could like kind of like be biased for certain things or like tuning the drums a certain way that isn't necessarily the way your artist would prefer it. So being someone like Eddie, for example, who, you know, doesn't like play drums every day, he can like, he's way more open, I think, into like, just exploring what the, his artist like preferences are. For me, from a guitar player's perspective, <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know. I, I'm not sure it is that important to be a a musician to be good as a tech. Uh, but something I feel that, uh, I bring to the table, uh, is, you know, uh, cause you know, like initially I do kind of like set up, do my setups, like based on like what I like and like maybe paying attention to like where my guitar players like feet are, which is, you know, like, Oh, is he going to like kick a cable? Is he going to step somewhere that he's not supposed to enjoy? Like, <laughs> That's stuff that I think about because it's it's stuff that I feel like maybe I would do if I was like in their position. The 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 reason that I partially disagree with you, Jose, is because like if you're a guitar tech that doesn't know how to know how to play guitar, 
I, I know how a guitar is supposed to feel when I play it. And so therefore, if, when I'm in the middle of playing a guitar and I notice there's a dead note or if I notice something feels off, yeah. you know, there's, there's no other way that you're going to feel that other than playing the instrument. And as for a drum tech, I tell people, if you can build Ikea furniture without instructions, you can be a drum tech. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like day, day one of me uh, – drum teching for ice nine kills uh i think this uh i patrick wants to be on the podcast so i think this is a better this is a story better suited for him to tell but uh he'll tell he'll tell you the long version but the short version is that he had no idea that i was his drum tech and so he was annoyed that i was like going around and touching his set and trying to figure it out and, <laughs> and so then I had to tell him multiple times that I was his tech until he finally goes, oh, and so <laughs> and so like it's it's but I, I personally feel as though it's equally important to be a guitar player in order to be a guitar tech, because like if I'm going through and, you know, I, I one of the things that I like to do when I'm when I'm starting a new gig is uh, a perfect example. I did a one off gig with filter in Utah. And the first thing that I did, as soon as I got my hands on the instruments, instead of doing any adjustments or anything, I just I played each one for a little bit and I made mental notes. And I was like, just taking mental notes and saying like, okay, this is how this feels. And I'm pretty sure that he's had this set up before I came into the picture. So this is probably how he likes it. This isn't how I would do it. But, you know, I'm not the player. He is. So yeah. Then after that, like, you know, if it's a more sustained gig instead of just a one off or something like that, I might have a conversation like, do you like the strings that high on your bass? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's how I prefer it. And it's like, OK, this is really high and it's going to it's going to mess with the intonation a little bit. But, sure. you know, OK, okay. so was that uh, a festival for, for, gig or something with uh, filter? It was. Uh, yes, <laughs> it was like. It was it was billed as a festival, but I think it was it was more of a party. Like it was just like it was like a big off roading party that like you get out there and you're in the middle of the desert. And there's a bunch of dune buggies just driving around in the desert, and then at the end of the awesome. night, everybody gets together, has drinks, and watches a band play. And that band just happened to be Filter. Oh fuck yeah! So they were the band that was there. They were the headlining band for the Saturday Saturday show. It was like a three day long festival. And like originally when I got the gig, I was like, I saw the itinerary. I opened up Master Tour. Okay. So Master Tour is basically, <laughs> it's an app on your phone and it's just kind of outlines the schedule for the day as well as like your schedule for uh, the upcoming shows. And, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's like when sound check, where's the hotel, like everything exactly. that you need to know. Yeah. yeah All yeah. the information that you need to know check master tour so i open up master tour the first uh before i get there and i notice that like we do sound check and then as soon as we're done sound check we take a van right back to the hotel and like in my head i'm like but what if i want to walk around and explore the festival a little bit like <laughs> i like when i when i do these festivals yeah i really like walking around checking out the tents seeing seeing you know i just i like walking around anybody that's been on tour with me knows i like walking around i will sure. take an hour of my day to be by myself to just go and walk wherever we are yeah and and so i get to the festival and i'm like oh this isn't really a festival it's just kind of like an off-roading thing 
yeah, I don't want to walk around in the desert by myself, so I'll probably just go back to the hotel and sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Filter. I did the title of record and the Amalgamate are, are two of my favorite albums of and, that time period for sure. And they are fantastic. They're they're such nice dudes. Like Richard awesome. is one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Uh, I, I was curious to get your. I sent this to you earlier, but um, curious about. Uh, your thoughts on this Loudwire article, the uh, that which is titled "Bands Who Have Admitted to Using Backing Tracks," and which is specifically um, inspired, I suppose, by the uh, uh, f- an incident that occurred with "Falling in Reverse," the "Falling in Reverse" er- thing. Yeah, earlier this year, where they had to cancel a show um, because the the reasoning for it and the way it was presented, I think, are are different. Um, basically that, uh, I think his name's Ronnie from falling in verse basically just said like someone stole our laptop and that's why we can't play, which makes it seem like we're, it, 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 for people who don't understand how a lot of shows work, especially in this genre yeah. in 2022, um, makes it seem like, well, this is Millie Vanilli shit. If you just, you, you need yeah. a a laptop to play a show, then you're not a real band. I understand how like <clears throat> the average music fans mind goes there, but it's it, for me. And I'm, again, I want to hear you guys opinions, but it's upsetting to me to see in, and I'm using air quotes, industry publication, like Loudwire use a clickbait title, like bands who have admitted, like there's no such thing as a good admission that using the phrase admitted has a negative stigma with it, which means that which bands have been like sheepish enough to be like, yeah, we have fake stuff that's happening behind our performance, uh, which I think is bullshit. And the list itself is, is stupid. Even the image of like, this is the head image on the, uh, I don't know if you can see that it's Ronnie singing. And then like, uh, a tape to tape reel next to his face with, a with an arrow basically indicating that like, you're not hearing real music. Um, and the list is like five bands long, including like two hair metal bands. And I, I'm not, I, I think that there are way more bands who I'm not going to say admitted who are just like transparent about the fact Shinedown is also on this list, but like bands that just anything from like, we use a click track to, yeah, we don't hire a 30 person choir to go on tour with us so we can perform these ghost songs or whatever. I just, the fact that this one incident has turned into this like pushback of like, Oh, you're not a real band. If you play with backing tracks is pretty fucking frustrating to me. So I'm curious what you guys think about that. Yeah. I mean like the things like with one, I don't like calling them back. Like it's, I call it playback because there's just so much more that that. goes into it than what people hear. Uh, One. Yeah. There's, you know, there's layers to, cause it makes the show and the songs, you know, sound cooler, which is stuff like the click tracks in there. So that like stuff that the, you know, you, you feed it like the time code to, you know, to front of house so that like the light, the lighting show can happen. Exactly. And then that, and for bands like that have a show as big as shinedown, that can mean, you know, the difference between like life and death when it comes to like pyro yes. cues and stuff, you no, know, like, uh, so, and, and honestly, the list is way shorter for bands who don't use playback. So <laughs> yeah, get over sure, it, sure. just get over it. There's, like, only, there's <laughs> only one band that I've worked for that doesn't use tracks at all. And they sometimes play to a click, but there's, there's absolutely no tracks to it. Um, I think if, honestly, I think if you're open and transparent about it, it's fine. 
like you know every it, and like not everybody now i'm using this expression for a second time but not everybody wants to know how the sausage is made it, it's it's a lot easier to accept if you think of a concert nowadays as more musical theater than a performance and you know everybody every gig that i've ever worked where people are playing the tracks everybody's still playing their instruments so you're still getting a band performing but it there there might be some fillers yeah. there might be some bass drops there might be some synth that's happening yes exactly and uh i said this on the last Stuff that four guys can't do with their eight hands that make the show sound better. So like yeah. they're still playing and then or there's shit. Def Leppard nine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So just, just exactly. basically like, it's fine. Like everybody does it. It's not a big deal. Um, and the fact that he canceled a sh- uh, that Ronnie, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with uh, their, their current tour manager. And there's a lot of misunderstanding that, uh, that, happened with that and i i can say that ronnie was completely right uh because the laptops had to be shipped to a new location and you know for for a band like falling in reverse if you don't have the playback rig they have a lot of hip-hop stuff going on they have a lot of like yeah stuff happening in the background that's not stuff that five guys with guitars and a bass can reproduce and i think they uh, there was actually video that came out a couple weeks later where their tracks went down. And so they tried it and it wasn't great. Uh, they tried to, pl- they tried to play without the tracks and you know, they, you're st- the bottom line is you're still getting a band performing the songs that you love. They're still selling you t-shirts. You can still go to the back of the venue and get beer. So yeah. like what's, what's, what's like, why are you complaining essentially? Yeah. Of course. And it's just like, there's so many bands that I can think of. I mean, seven dust has like so much like cool electronic drum shit. They have so many intros, stuff like that, that helps segue between songs. Um, ice nine kills. Like they have so many like samples from classic horror movies and stuff like that. Like there's the people's understanding of backtracks is so fucking limited and ignorant um, that it immediately goes like to the worst case scenario. Like, Oh, this is your your lip syncing or this isn't. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's just, it, it's frustrating yeah. to see someone like Loudwire basically feed into that, whether it's ignorant journalism it's because they want the click, like the they person the writing revenue. it literally doesn't understand how it works or they just want that like that. Either way, it's, it's frustrating. Cause it's like, you're not doing anything to elevate the, the, this category that the whole fucking genre that defines their existence. Uh, don't shit on it that way. It just seems very stupid to me. They could they could have taken that opportunity to educate. Instead, they're just like, "Hey, this one band fucked up. Let's talk about other bands who have." Yeah, it's it's, that's very weird to me. I don't care. And I said it on the last episode. Like, it even gets to points where like Ice Nine Kills, they their guitar players don't have pedal boards at all. All the switching going from clean to distortion to lead to delay to all of it. It's all all the patches it's all in an axe effects and midi does all the switching and that all comes from yep. the time code and the reason that they do that is because they have actors on stage and they have cues where guitar players need to be back here because there's something happening in the show where the guitar players need to create room on stage so that way the lead singer spencer can kill an actress behind a shower uh <laughs> behind a shower curtain and so, therefore, the guitar player won't have access to that part of the stage. Oh, but I have to change it to clean at that time. 
you know, it, it, yeah. what what do you do? Oh, you just put all the switching into the time code of the show and then you don't have to worry about pedal boards. I didn't set up a single goddamn pedal board for six weeks and it was nice. Yeah, dude, for sure. That's a great way of saying it. It's just like, this is what goes into creating the performance that you want. Like you want it to be entertaining. You want it to be seamless. You want it to sound incredible. You want to like feel the fucking kick bass and the eight Oh eights in your chest. You want the guitars to be huge. You want the vocals to be amazing. Like, uh, yeah. And people, people have been listening to the albums for years, you know, like they want to hear hear that's what they want to hear. So, yeah. yeah. So how do you make it that cool? You, you use playback. Nope. You just got to be better musicians. That's how. That's how. But these are, right. these are all right. well, like to argue. I, I know you're. I know you're. I know you're kidding. But like to argue that point because somebody will argue that point. These are fucking world class musicians, sure. and they're still. Yeah. Like, if if you go to uh if you go to a show and you see like a lot of the Ice Nine stuff is very technical, and it, there's a lot of like oh yeah there's a lot of runs and there's a lot of like they are a metal band and they are the best of the best of the players of musicians in the world. They're still, yeah, they're, fucking they're awesome. still playing their instruments every single night. So you're still like that lead run that's happening. That's like uh 64th notes at 220 BPM. They're still playing. They're still playing all those notes. So I just stop complaining. It's fine. <laughs> I guess, <it's, laughs> I guess is the, is the too long. Didn't read. It's fine. Stop complaining. I think even people understanding that, like, I, I want to think of a more modern example, but to to something that's more prevalent is is so like U two is very synonymous with this kind of uh, eighth note triplet type of delay that's on a lot of these guitar riffs where it has that like ticka 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 ticka. He's playing a kind of a straightforward quarter note thing, but it has this delay thing that makes yeah. it sound super full. And not only does that require some technical specificity for it to be in the rhythm that it should, but then for a band to perform with that in unison. So uh, with or without you sounds the way that you want it to sound requires them being in sync. And when you're playing in a fucking arena and shit is, you have $800,000 worth of speakers in front of the stage. Exactly. So it's just like, I, I just want people to understand like what goes in to your most favorite concert being your most favorite concert because of the technology and because of the team that's behind it, making it happen, which of course is only happening because you have these world-class performers writing these amazing songs that brought you out in the first place. But to just think that like it just materializes out of thin air because they're good musicians is stupid. So it's, it's, I think being transparent about some of this stuff can really help people understand and better appreciate like why some of these shows are so fucking incredible. Cause it's complicated. Yeah. Hell yeah, girl. <laughs> yeah, girl. Yeah. girl. <laughs> Hell yeah, girl. <laughs> All right, fellas. Um, I think that's about it for me. Does anybody else have any final thoughts or any parting, any parting words of wisdom? Jose. No, no that, that was a, that was a good talk. No, uh, I'm just like, right now like for the last like maybe five minutes i've been like what are we gonna name this episode because <laughs> we talked about so much shit jose i look forward to seeing uh, your, your adventures uh in columbia with brian i think you're gonna have an amazing yes. time uh darren you and i still yeah. need to meet 
in person. Yeah. Uh, we so will. We'll get there. Let's make that happen yeah. soon. I wish you guys all yeah, the I'm best. I'm excited about that with uh, with this podcast. We should, we, we should try, I'm going to see if like while I'm there, we can do an episode with Brian, be fu- and I'll yeah, be like happen, I'll be dude. there with Brian. Yeah, that'll be that'll uh, be dope. Let's, do it for sure. Are, I love I love what Brian. Are the dates because I don't know if I'm going to. I'll be there January 3rd till the 13th. Oh, okay. Because uh, if it's... So yeah, like right after right after the New Year's run, I basically go home, pack a bag, and leave the next day pretty much. Of course, because that's how your schedule works out. <laughs> that's that's how I do it. That's the only way I know how. <laughs> uh, I leave on the 17th for a ship rock. I'm going to be on there with... I'm teching for nothing more. And then also Sick. Sahaj is going to be on there as a as a stowaway. And then we're going to do like a kind of acoustic minimalistic type thing, um, you know, in between sets as well. So I'm, I'm super looking forward to that. And I've done ship rock four times as a fan. So like, it's really cool for me to be doing it, like working it um, this time as well. That's sick. Yeah. yeah I, man, I wanted, I wanted to do ship rock this year so bad, but yeah, it didn't work out. And now, now my schedule won't allow it. So Darren, have you done it before? Uh, as a fan, I never, I never worked ship rocked. Uh, but that's actually where I met Darren was, uh, oh, shit. Yeah. again, <laughs> super, super small. Actually world. the, 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 um, it was, it was after my tenure of being non points guitar tech and it was his first tour as non points guitar tech. And so like, nice. And yeah, so London, our, our tour manager, uh, like we're all sitting at a table where uh, I'm sitting at a table with her and Nick and then, uh, this, the story will be quick. I'm sitting at a table with her and her fiance at the time, Nick, and uh, Jose is invited to sit down. And London goes, "So are you guys gonna fight?" And Jose is like, "Why? Why would we fight?" <laughs> and I, and yeah, so we got up and we we got on stage and we fought it out. We nice dudes, out. like just fucking fisticuffs, bro. It's very violent. Have, like, have you ever seen the chicken fight on Family Guy? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's how it went. <laughs> Just that's it went exactly on for twenty minutes. Yeah, it was fucking great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> any rate, yeah, you don't you don't know this, but Darren and I are very violent people, dude. You and, should do an episode yeah. where you're in the same room and you just beat the fuck out of each other, and then there's like live commentary. I think that would be listen, Jose doesn't want really enjoyable hands. to listen to. Jose does not want these hands. <laughs> <Then>. <laughs> Uh, the only other thing I would say is that um, I, I'm super pumped to have released a song yesterday with Marcos, the lead singer of Il Hell Nino yeah. and Travis Montgomery, the, the guitar player. I, I absolutely will. The guitar player from Kill the Lights, which is uh, half the band is X Bullet for my Valentine. Fuck yeah. Um, like s- super proud to have made music with both those guys and super happy with how it turned out. And it was engineered by Chris Mora who uh, has done from San Antonio, yeah, from San Antonio. Yeah. he did sons of Texas. He did upon a burning body. Uh, he's worked with a lot of bands that have been on octane. It's just a super great guy and makes fucking yeah, and awesome. Da- darkness, music. darkness divided, yep. darkness yeah. divided. Absolutely. Back in the day. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, go check that out. Fear of water. And uh, thank you guys both for having me on the show. It's, it's, it's awesome. I wish you the best. I hope to do, you know, future episodes with you guys and I'll, I'll be listening. For Thanks sure. man. Greatly appreciate it. Hell yeah. This is where that super cool outro comes yeah. in. <laughs> Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Now that I, now I know what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> right, bye, guys. Thank you for listening to the Roadie Friday podcast. Have a question or an idea? Email us at roadiefridaypod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Theme music by Ricky Armelino. Editing and production by Darren Makins. <laughs>